Dosri Nune Gor Holodeck Cash. Welcome to the Holodeck is Broken, a Star Trek rewatch podcast. I'm your Captain Laura. I grew up watching most of Star Trek. I'm your first officer, Mac. I've watched way too much Star Trek. I'm Eris, your communications officer, and I've seen some of it. I'm Z, chief security officer, and I have no idea what's going on. Our seven-year mission. To rewatch all of Star Trek from the very beginning. Boldly going where everyone but me has gone before. Hey there, I'm Laura. And I'm Mac. And we're still here. Yep, still. Uh, the virus didn't get the memo that it was supposed to be gone by April, so... Mm. Yeah, oh. I was told there would the virus would take a summer vacation or something. I, I've yet to see that. I, would, I was told Easter would be the... Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the rising of Jesus would, uh, would scare the virus back into oh, China. Oh, is that what was supposed to happen? Okay. Yep. I read that somewhere. Hmm. Was it in a tweet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't pay attention to those kind of tweets. <laughs> anyway, we're back here with The Holodeck is Broken. We have, for the last several weeks, been going off our normal format of rewatching episodes from the very beginning and doing a single episode or two about a particular series. It's interesting. I think with this episode, we've officially done more off-format episodes than we did oh, really? on the re- original format. Aww. But... Uh, engineering informs me that we are working on a solution to get Z and Eris back, and that might be coming here very soon. Woo! I mean, Way it's to not, go, uh, it, engineers. Yeah, sick pay has nothing. They're not going to get rid of the, the virus. Mm, that's but true. We may be able to work some kind of subspace anomaly and, and find them and. But let's 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 be real here. If Doctor Crusher were in charge of this virus, it'd be done by now. It'd be done by now, and she'd have time to put on a little play. Yes! Yeah. With some dancing. Now, we may have had to take a slight detour where everyone devolved for a short time, but then we would get right back on Dragon and be this fine. Happens. This happens. It yes. does, from, yeah. from time to time, at least in, once every seven spider, years. As, yeah. as we all came from spiders. Uh-huh. Except for Riker's lineage that came from cavemen. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Checks out. Is that on our lists? It is not. We may have to mention that, because... <laughs> <laughs> the, the one note I would have had on that episode, I think, would have been hilarious. Uh. Yeah. So, if you haven't guessed by this uh, pre-talk, we are going to discuss perhaps the greatest spinoff of the of of the Star Trek world the yeah. the one that spawned its own movies, the one that spawned another series that had just finished airing its first season. Yeah. Star Trek The Next Generation, airing yeah. from September 1987 to uh, May of 1994. It's my favorite. It is your favorite. It is the way you talked over the last two weeks about Deep Space Nine. I will talk about this one. Yes. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I like Next Generation, most of it. I know. I, 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 why am I qualifying this? I, I don't, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I like Next Generation. Some of it's very formative for me. I may get, I may not get quite as effusive as I do with Deep Space Nine because I think Deep Space Nine is pretty great top to bottom. Whereas Next Generation took a little time to warm up. Yep. Once the collars up and the beard reached full yep. beardiness. Yeah. They it was smooth sailing. Yeah, collars up. Doctor Crusher's back. Mm-hmm. Beard's back. The show just keeps on running. Exactly. Yeah. You can, you can tell it's going to be an okay episode if a collar's up. If a collar's down, you're not probably going to have a good time. But you're, 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 you're not going to hate yourself completely. Like, it's, 
Unless it's Code of Honor. Which one was that? The very stereotypical African. Oh, that one. Bunch. Yes. Okay. No, that one's awful. Yeah. You, you can lift that right on out. Where like, their first order of business is kidnapping <laughs> Whew, the, the blonde lady. Yeah. It's a, ooh, yeah. All right. So uh, as right. we've talked about it, we can talk about <laughs> our experience with the show. I think I'll let you go first because you might need some runway for that. Oh. Um. Yeah. So... Next Gen got me from the ages of 7 to 14, so those are some pretty formative years. I think it's fair to say that, you know, going into my teen years, Riker was just my crush as, you know, a, a adolescent. But, okay, so, but a beard definitely is a thing so that I, I like. Have, so I've learned in my life. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. You know, facial hair is good. Brunette, good. Yeah. Yeah, kind of explains a lot about why I found you attractive. Yeah. Um, kind of witty. Willing, willing to explain things real simple <laughs> for everybody at home. There's some, yeah, there's the, some the, problems the Riker, with Riker. Yeah, the Riker explanation is, yo, no, there's definitely some problems with Riker. He He's the character that, you know, is kind of more in the vein of, you know, Kirk. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was the, the sex symbol, right. womanizer type. Right, yeah. In in the sense that they're both womanizers, that that's true. But I, I, you never got the sense that Kirk both fucked his way out of and fucked his way into problems. Oh, whereas Riker definitely did. Like Kirk, it always <laughs> seemed like it was definitely a big part of his life. But, but mm. there are certain episodes where if Riker had just cooled it. <laughs> He would either be still on the alien planet or never have had problems with an alien planet. Right. Yeah, yeah. His, his, he, he got himself into a lot of trouble. But that's not the only, I guess, formative thing for, for me. And I think we talked about this when we talked about the show Picard. Mm-hmm. Picard is my captain. He's the one who I think is an excellent leadership role model, not just for... Yeah. Star Trek captains, but for, you know, anybody who wants to be a leader of people, there you could have a worse role model than him. There are thousands of worse role models than him. There are three um, or four just in the 24th century. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's got this style, and, and I, I kind of like to explain it like, you can come to him with something that is so far-fetched and bizarre, and he will believe you first and foremost like you come, you come to him and be like, "Oh my God, I'm being chased by baboons everywhere I go," and he'd be like, "Okay, what let's let's figure out where these baboons are. Like, Do they how come no one else can see them? Let's find out. Are they cloaked? Like, he's gonna search for the reason, and then if they're not finding evidence, he's gonna be like." are you sure about this? Right. And you're going to be like, yes, I am more certain than ever. And you're like, all right, I guess we're hunting invisible baboons. Like, and that's not really an episode, but like, <laughs> it's he's that kind of person. And, but then he's got, you know, people around him to, to kind of help do that heavy lifting. And they're, they're also supportive of each other and they, they love each other. It really was that like ideal version of the future mm-hmm. come to life in a new generation of, of Star Trek for, those of us uh, raised in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch all of it as it aired because I really, I kind of became a Star Trek fan in the middle of its run. Mm. Whereas, like, this was appointment viewing for me. This this all may have been the first thing that was like, years. I must, yes, yeah. Okay. I, Me and my dad, we will watch Star Trek as yeah. it airs. Yeah. When I first started getting into Star Trek, I so precipitously fell that it became appointment viewing for me. Like, nice. I remember season six and season seven airing 
pretty well. Like, especially the back half of season seven, I have a very strong memory. Uh, we were watching All Good Things last last night, and I was doing the dialogue along with it. I didn't even realize you had that whole thing memorized. Yeah, I've watched <laughs> I've watched that one probably more than anything, but we'll get to that in our in our top lists. I loved it. I had a opposite <laughs> spectrum sort of view of some of it because one of your early infatuations was Riker, and you would think automatically mine would be Troy. Never yeah. was into Troy, yeah. But I was I'm. I had a crush on Crusher. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she, yeah. Everything about Dr. Crusher is, is fantastic. There have been other podcasts where I've threatened to get into fights with people <laughs> over who was the hottest crew member on the Enterprise D. Ah. Yeah. Nice. Yes. She was very formative. The whole show was formative. I mean, obviously in my younger days, I was more of a Kirk kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've definitely become more Picard-esque in my early middle age. Yeah. Kirk is definitely a adolescent fantasy of heroism, whereas mm-hmm. Picard is a much more adult yes. version of that, much more... Nuanced, hey, str- more diplomatic. Yeah, and, and just more comfortable with himself. Like, he rarely gets flustered. Whereas, whereas Kirk could much more easily be emotionally flung about. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Picard, yeah. you you throw him a diplomatic challenge. You throw him an archaeological challenge. Uh-huh. You throw him a scientific challenge. And he is just kind of non... Not nonplussed, but he's he's just... He's unruffled, and he might mm-hmm. be that, you know, duck on water thing, you know, paddling furiously underneath, but on top, cool as a cucumber. He knows, yeah. he's like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna try this, we're gonna look into this, he's gonna ask for suggestions, he trusts his yeah. people, and he's gonna delegate as necessary. A lot of times, he's like, wow, that was crazy, okay, I'll be in my ready room, you have the bridge number one, he's and he's got just out. like, a super <laughs> job, like, Kirk was so obsessed with that ship, every once in a while, Picard was like, Number one, you got this. I'm going to go read a book. <laughs> yeah, he's usually reading or having tea or, you know, a lot of times people would come into his ready room and he's sitting on his couch. He's not even sitting at his desk. He's hanging out on the couch just like, oh, can I help you? Yeah. I wasn't doing anything right now. <laughs> or he's just staring at his fish. Does that fish have a name? Livingston. Livingston. Okay, Livingston the fish. Yeah. Is he a lionfish? Sounds about right. I think it's really miraculous. There are very few shows that start off arguably terrible Mm. and then end greatest of all time. Yeah, they just kind of launch into the stratosphere. Like, really great shows might maintain a, a certain average quality throughout some... Really start out great, and then you're just kind of living with it as it dwindles out. Mm, yeah. I can't think of another show where the pilot is about the sweatiest two hours of television you'll <laughs> see, and the final episode may be one of the greatest science fiction two hours mm. ever. Yeah. Not just of the series, not just of Star Trek, but of television. Mm-hmm. And the the whole show follows a really good arc. It gets a little uneven in season seven. Season five is maybe one of the strongest seasons they have. There's nothing, I think, in season five that I was like, oh, God, this is awful. Pound for pound, um, yeah. Season, season six is, is pretty strong as well. Seven wavers, but has some excellent, really strong pieces to it. Season seven. And ends yeah. on the highest note. Yeah. It's not like... 
we we talked about Enterprise. I feel like got better and better with each season, but its final episode just dropped the ball, and yeah. you're left like, wait, what? Whereas this one, it's like you watch all good things and you're like, there's no more after this. That wow. was one of their best shows. And it's, there's, I can't, I can't watch it anymore. You knew they were going to do movies at that point. Right. But yeah. you know, that the, you, you don't have them week to week after that's that. True. Um, Until this year. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I think first season is bad. I'm, I'm torn as to whether or not season two is worse than season one. That's hard because, and for you, it would be the absence of Dr. Crusher because the absence they of Dr. Crusher, I think mo- shipped her off to Starfleet Medical for a year. Right, right. Ugh. And Pulaski Whatever. was just a oh, bitch. Pulaski. Ugh. <laughs> she, she shows up, the, the, insults Data every chance she gets. You and, leave my android alone. And, you, you know, you, she wants to be endeared. <laughs> no. No, they, they got Crusher back as fast as they could after that, it seemed. <laughs> and then we never spoke of her again. Season two has a legitimately great episode in it. Mm-hmm. But, and season one doesn't really. But season two, I think, is worse than season one on average. Isn't season one also shorter? No, season two is shorter. Season two is oh, really? a, a okay. writer's strike season. Oh, okay. Which is a good stopping off point. We can talk about that oh. after our commercial break, which cool. will start right now hi <laughs> welcome to the commercial break uh wear a mask please covers and thank the you mouth and the nose and both anything that you would breathe in or out of cover it opposite batman ah yes cover yes. all the parts batman don't right right yeah be a train robber just go out there pretending yeah. you're robbing trains all the time yeah wear uh, a hat too just for funsies yeah I mean, I would say, like, dress up like the shadow, but the shadow didn't cover his nose. Mm, mm. So, I was almost going to do a whole Twitter thread about, hey, this is Lamont. <laughs> be like Lamont. And then I looked at pictures, and I'm like, oh, shit, he doesn't cover his nose. Don't oh, be like Lamont. Yeah, no, don't don't be that guy. I don't know who Lamont is. Lamont Cranston, wealthy playboy and alias of the shadow. So, Bruce Wayne? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> pretty much. This is a Star Trek show, though. <laughs> Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. my bad. <laughs> because we don't have Dr. Crusher. Yes. Which? Or even Dr. Pulaski. I mean, let's face it. She was sort of at least somewhat capable. I'm sure I'm, she would have tried to cure I, this virus, I can't too. bring myself to say a nice thing about Dr. Pulaski. Okay. It's not going to happen. Listen to medical experts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can maybe still get through this. But we have to uh, give a damn about other people, which is another thing Star Trek would want us to do. Yes. Yeah. I, I, if you are a Star Trek fan... This is probably not news to you. Maybe it is. I don't know. Star if it Trek is, being weird. It, that's true. If it is news to you, go back. Give Star Trek a rewatch. Yeah. Write down a few lessons that you're learning about how to work with other people. We'll do a study with you. If you if you need some help, we can we can give you some tips and tricks. Pretend like you're setting an appointment with uh with with Counselor Troy. Yeah. And you know you need to you need to reconcile. What it is that helps you care about more about other people. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how you can be super individualistic and a Star Trek fan. That confuses me a little bit. Black Lives Matter. Yep. Still. Still always. Before forever. and now and always. I'm um, shocked we have to still say that, but, you know, here we are. Be sure you're registered to vote. Yes, please double check that. Yeah, there are websites right that let you check your voter registration. 
do that because there are some states that start to purge their roles and you don't want to get to the polling booth and discover you're not registered. That would be weird. While you're not thinking about these big things, yeah. you can listen to some podcasts. Yeah. As the Myth Turns with our friends Z and Eris who are trapped in a static warp, warp bubble that is slowly collapsing in on themselves. Or are we? <gasps> what? They post shows on weeks that we are off. The Fourth Wall is also available from Party Now Apocalypse Later podcasts, along with my movie reviews, books, and blogs. A new book is coming quickly. We've been working on an audiobook version of it. Uh, that should be in the next couple of months, hopefully. So go to partyapocalypse.com for all your entertainment needs, whether they be written, oral, A-U-R-A-L. Aural. Aural. <laughs> or visual. Well, there's not really a lot of visual. There's, I mean, you can read things on, on the website. That's written. It's, you know, oh, okay. Yeah. There's not a lot of moving pictures there. There's a few. Hmm. There's a few. Okay. So. Cool. Go there. And with that out of the way, we will go back to our episode. And we're back. <laughs> I have completely forgot where we were. We were talking about season one versus season two. Yes. And Pulaski came up, I, I think. I can't read because it kind of bled into the commercial break. It really I, did. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't, don't have to talk about the, we don't the have, before yeah, season, the early seasons that are yeah. less good. But I, I will say that even even in shows that have like a weird first season, so like Parks and Rec may be a good example. Yeah, people a lot of people don't like the first season, but for and I, I'm also kind of weirdly like a completionist in some ways. So like. I I will never tell someone to just start, if you've never watched Parks and Rec, start watching it from, you know, season two, episode whatever. I, I, I will say, start from the beginning. And I will say the same about Star Trek The Next Generation because you get character building. You get a little bit of world sure. building. You get things that are going to pay off later on. True. Tasha Yar, for example. Okay, spoiler alert. She dies. Yes. <laughs> when do we lose her? Is it season one or two? See, a very tail end of season one. Okay. So she's a character that we lose at the end of season one. And so there's six seasons where we don't have Tasha Yar. Except we do. She keeps popping back up in various things. And if you completely skipped season one, you're not going to have that knowledge. You're True. not going to know why we should love or care about her. You're not going to know that Data has a relationship with her that he didn't have with anybody else. True. There's little things like that yeah. that I feel like you can't miss out on. Especially when, like in Next Gen or Parks and Rec... Things get so much better later on, and I feel excited that I got to have even the bad moments with these wonderful people that I love so much. All Good Things is great, but it's not nearly as enjoyable if you haven't watched Encounter at Farpoint. That's true. You need a little bit of that foreknowledge yeah. to understand why it's a technical marvel that we have a beardless Riker in a scene. <laughs> I think if you didn't watch Encounter at Farpoint, All Good Things still slaps. It's a great episode, it's a great but episode. it's it's but deeper. A it has to more it meaning. That, that, that like even Q, who becomes the Alpha and the Omega, essentially of Star Trek: The Next Generation. True. If you hadn't watched the Alpha, if you hadn't watched the very beginning, mm -hmm. this really weird encounter at Far Farpoint episode, you wouldn't have quite the same depth of understanding of the journey at the end of All Good Things. And in Encounter at Farpoint, I think the Q stuff works best. 
honestly, and that's probably actually the stuff that Roddenberry worked on the most. And I'm usually very hesitant to give Roddenberry credit for much of anything. Well, hey, it was it turned yeah. out to be a good idea. Q pops up so many times in the series and yeah. in other series. Yep. I know he shows up in Voyager. Did he ever pop up in DS9? He did one Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah. And might yet appear in Picard. Mm. Hint, hint. He should. Hope so. There's no reason he shouldn't. That would be exciting. I'd like to see the memo that says no to Q, and I'd say, here's why it's wrong. <laughs> in season one, there there are a couple of episodes that aren't... I don't know if they're good, but they are kind of enjoyable because you enjoy Next Generation. There's, mm-hmm. It's interesting. Their second episode is The Naked Now, which is a remake of The Naked Time mm-hmm. on the original series. Not involving any actual nudity. You don't see any nudity, but the, <laughs> like... Yeah, we, we could get into that. But <laughs> there's some sexy times going on. I'm sure, but it's not. Yeah. This isn't the porno version of no. Star Trek, like the name would suggest. <laughs> no, that's fun. It's it's sort of odd that it's the second episode because you really haven't gotten to know these characters to have them act against type. Mm, that's true. Data lore is kind of interesting mm-hmm. uh, because it really gives a little fleshes out Data's origins a little bit more. I do appreciate the little foibles that come across in season like one and two where where like they're still figuring out how to lean into it when the camera shakes. And so you might have, you know, a season one episode where one guy's going one direction and everyone else is shaking the other direction. Yeah. Um yeah. or there what is was it a season one or two where uh Jordy is at the helm and they tell him like, Okay, you know, I had full impo, yes. and Jordy's like, like, yeah. yes, sir, work for or whatever, like, and we're like, did no, no, did a script supervisor not catch that? It was, it was <laughs> such great sass from LaForge. Like, Riker orders LaForge either full impulse or warp. Yeah, yeah. Four. And Jordy says, aye, aye, sir, and the exact opposite. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Full impulse. And we're like, no, that's that's not at all what he said. And Riker doesn't even And nobody blink. says anything. Yeah, nobody says anything. He's just yeah. followed the wrong order. <laughs> Stuff like that. That is just, and I never caught that before until yeah. we did this rewatch. I was like, oh my God, that was hilarious. <laughs> the uh, I like the Dixon Hill stuff. And I'm, trying, I'm blanking on the title, uh, The Big Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Is, is in season one. One one zero zero one zero zero one is interesting, and you know I spent some time in the nineties memorizing the memorizing the digits. sequence of ones and zeros in there, <laughs> and it stuck with me. So I, I can do it now. One one zero zero one zero zero one. Nice. Moving on from the the darker years of of that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a full array of action figures. I had the uh, the bridge playset. Nice. I had the main engineering place that they released only with Star Trek Generations that could actually attach to the bridge, which didn't make any sense, but it was you know, still fun. I can't say. Yeah, I don't I don't think I had, like, the toys and yeah. the... No, I had the phaser, mm. and uh, I bought, the like, the mini, mini figures, and it came with play sets of their own. Those were great, because you could have... Like, they, they, they released a lot more toys on that, because they would also release from other series. Like, there was a Defiant one, and... A stargazer, and you could just have all sorts of fun times with those with those cats. Yeah. We don't really, in our loose outline for this talk, talk about the Next Generation movies at all. And we probably won't do an episode mm. devoted sim- simply to those. We can briefly talk a cover bit about some yeah. of those. Yeah. They did four movies Generations, First Contact, Two of Insurrection, them are quite good. 
and Nemesis. First Contact and Insurrection are my favorites of yeah. those two. Generations is okay. I think it, Generations could be a little bit better, but it's not bad. Generations is an interesting camel of a movie. Like It, it mm. was definitely produced by committee. The studio had input. Shatner had input. Uh, Stewart had input. The producers of the show had input. And it, it, it's sort of a weird Frankenstein's monster. But I, I love that it's like... Guinan gets to be in that movie and she's such a a huge part of it and it's um there's there's some emotional you know gut-wrenching through lines in that movie and they flat out destroy the Enterprise D you know that's fun the the first ever screenplay I ever read was the screenplay for Star Trek Generations and I read it about six months or so before the movie came out so imagine me right about 10 years old Learning the Enterprise D was going to be destroyed. <laughs> it was, it was wild. I've got that. I got that script still here. It's in this room. Yeah, it's over there in nice. that bookshelf. Yeah. Nice. First Contact, I think, is my favorite. I'd say First Contact is definitely their strongest movie. If mm-hmm. we're not including all good things, which <laughs> and uh, Insurrection is one of those great kind of like standalone episode, you know, monster of the week episodes. Yeah. Um it doesn't have a whole lot of tie into other things. There's a few few references that you come from other parts of Star Trek, like the Briar Patch is mentioned again in Enterprise. In Enterprise, yeah. right? Um but yeah, so it, it's but it's 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 a great standalone, you know, kind of adventure and I I think I you like might be it. in the minority there. I probably am. I like it okay. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's not as strong as First Contact. It's got some good people in it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's the... F. Murray Abraham? Yeah. Uh, and what's the, the, the Admiral guy? Yeah. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? I can't remember his name either. It's not Malcolm McDowell. Oh, that's right. Malcolm McDowell was in... Uh, Generations. Generations, yeah. He's uh, excellent, too. And then, is it Donna, Donna Murphy as... I believe so. Am I blinking? I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But she's awesome too. Like I, like Mm -hmm. Picard has a type. We were just talking about that yesterday and it's very consistent throughout the series. He is in for the smart woman who's adventurous, who knows what she's doing. He's not just in it for a pair of boobs. That's Riker. But he, (laughs) he needs somebody that is you know, intelligent and yeah. just, like, thoughtful and, we, yeah. We talked about this yesterday or so. Like, mm. Riker even talks about in one episode what kind of woman he's attractive, attracted to and mm. smart and self-possessed. And I'm like, yeah, but if that's not available, you'll find whatever you Whatever is, is available, Where, yeah. Whereas Picard is, like, disinterested Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it's under very specific circumstances. Yeah, in fact, uh, is it Captain's Holiday where he goes mm-hmm. to Risa? Um, and Vosh. Vosh, uh, who kind of is a, a, something of a love interest of sorts with him. Yeah. Um, but the very first time he meets her, she's just a chick in a bathing suit who's asking him about the uh, Haran that he had purchased that is right there. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, he has no interest in her when she's just a girl in a swimsuit. Later, when he discovers, oh, this is a, a smart lady with an interest in archaeology, and you know, it's like she's she, we're gonna yeah. go have an adventure together. Then he's interested. Yes. Um, and so that's kind of like him and Riker, the opposites. Riker would have gone immediately for the girl in the bathing suit. <laughs> right. Which I think would dovetail to the underservice of Doctor Crusher altogether, because she is yes. tragically pathetically underserved in the movies. Oh, yes. Like, oh, yes. she gets almost nothing to do 
in all four movies. This is true. That's ridiculous. Get it to get it together, Rick Berman. Or Hashtag Team Crusher. Team Crusher, one hundred percent. Oh yeah. Crusher and Picard's love story is mm-hmm. perpetually unrequited so far. <laughs> the movies tragically underserve a lot of the characters because they really do focus on the duo of Picard and Data. Mm. For those movies, and but the rest gets short. That's a good strip. combo, and it—they're the two most popular. That characters is the emotional in the show. through line that yeah. will carry the show, Picard, later on. At um, least for the first season. Yeah. yeah. So that is—that's the thread that they picked up, yeah. um, and I do appreciate that too. Like, I, but it just goes to show that he's just a good captain. He—he yeah. likes his people. He trusts his people. Nemesis is bad. I still can't claim I've seen the entire thing all the way through. We may, we may need to get you to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Nemesis is bad. First Contact is good, and mm-hmm. it's only gotten better because my standing theory that Zephyr Cochran is a monoclef of Gene Roddenberry in that mm-hmm. movie. Generations, like I said, is uneven, but it's it's such a wish fulfillment for all the things you didn't see in the next, in the next generation because those are all the biggest questions, like, what's the Enterprise be like? Okay. Mm-hmm. What happened to Kirk after the original series? Yep. I mean, whether you're satisfied with that answer or not, we know now. There's a little bit of a torch passing there. Right. And Even was, though the next gen's already over. We already know that Picard's a legit captain, but, you know, still yeah. Kirk being like, go forth and be a good captain. <laughs> Can the saucer section land on a planet? Kind of. It's a one-off. Should we let Troy drive? Should we let eh. Troy drive? <laughs> About insurrection, though, the screenwriter Michael Piller, who I think really should be heralded in this, he is the guy that steered the ship back on track. He became the head writer in season three. Ah. When you think about Collar Up, yeah, he is Collar Up. Nice. The late, great Michael Piller. Mm-hmm. He then went on to co-create Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote Insurrection. And he actually wrote a book about the writing process on Insurrection called Fade In. I want to say that's the title of it. And it is one of the best screenwriting books in existence. Say what you will about Insurrection. <laughs> that book slaps. It's hard to, hard to get a hold of. Do we want to turn back to the series then? And do we have any final thoughts? It's a show that went that. out on top. And there yes. are very few shows that did that. And very few shows that you couldn't imagine the heights it would reach. If you watch that first pilot. True. True. And then if you stuck around to week two, eh, okay, maybe this show's kind of funny. And then week three is Code of Honor. <laughs> was that the third it, episode? It, it's it's <laughs> astonishing the show was not canceled Ugh, yeah. in the first month. Okay, let's talk about Code of Honor doesn't age well into 2020. Code of Honor at didn't all. age well but, yes, in 1987. Exactly. Code <laughs> yeah. of Honor wasn't even good in 1987. It was yeah. a bad idea from start to finish. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> In our in our best of list, if we decide to do a worst, I think that's probably our. That would be for, that would be the number one. And I think yeah. that's to the credit of the cast and the production staff. It's theirs too. They hate it. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, yeah. good for them. They they knew they, yeah. they and, know and how bad it. Part would of the out. rumor I heard <laughs> or read about was that the reason Gates McFadden is not in season two is because she got fired, mm-hmm. and the head writer of the the show at that point, Maurice Hurley just didn't like her because she kept bringing up objections to 
shows, including Code of Honor. So Gates McFadden is awesome. Yes. Gets fired. Yeah. And then the next guy comes along and says, uh, we need the smart lady back. Well, that <laughs> and I think no one liked Pulaski. So they said we can't do <laughs> so bad. we can't do three doctors in three years. God, she was on the ship all of like five seconds before she started just insulting yeah. Data to his face face in front of other people and like i i was just waiting for jordy to just slap her (laughs) by all indications that was actually how the cast also got along too like like uh diana moldor Hmm. a a very fine actress and long story career did not enjoy being on the show and Hmm. let it be known it was obvious yeah in the uh, performance of it too yes but we got dr crusher back and And things got fine season three onward is yep just wonderful we didn't talk about wesley much that's true. Wesley's one of those interesting characters. Will Wheaton is a guy that, like, he, he's really, he got way cool with age. Yeah. Like, I follow him on social media. He's just kind of a funny guy. And, and he talks very realistically about his time on Star yeah. Trek. He's like, you know, I was a kid yeah. actor. And yeah. they uh, he, he posted a picture not that long ago. I guess Gates McFadden took him to Disneyland or World or whichever one. Yeah. With her family, and so it's like she took her Star Trek kid with her, and I'm like, that is the sweetest thing I've seen. Gates McFadden is the un- unsung hero of that of that show. Like, Doesn't she have a, a doll of Doctor Crusher that she yeah. like poses and like takes Instagram she, she photos is, of? Yeah, yeah, she is <laughs> nuts in the best way possible. Nice, and she only got to, re- to direct one episode, Genesis, which is the only like horror movie on the, on the show. Oh, yeah. And it's a it's a weird concept, mm-hmm. and it doesn't quite add up. Is it on your list? I don't think it is uh, on no, your list. No, it's yeah. not. It, it, it's not a great written episode, mm-hmm. but she directs the hell out of it. She gets <laughs> every second out of that episode that was possible out of the script. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Justice for Dr. Crusher is what yeah. I say. Yeah. yeah. And Wesley has a weird arc on the show. Everyone kind of will claim that they hate him. But he was a teenager. He was a grumpy adolescent. And yeah. he very, Will Wheaton very much talks about, yeah, that was kind of just me at that age. And I'm like, yep, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Teenagers are like that. <laughs> yes. But then you grow up and become Captain Picard. You do. You do. Yeah. I think on that note, I think we've reached the end of our part one. Yeah, we talked a lot, so we're going to make this another two-parter. Yes, and we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. The way I treated Deep Space Nine, we knew Laura was probably going to get there with uh, TNG. Yeah, and when we get to our next episode, you'll discover why we kind of planned this ahead. (laughs) By the time you're listening to this part one of our TNG discussion... Uh, Lower Decks will have premiered. Uh, And so if you're of a mood to complain about it online, don't. (laughs) Mm. I've I've really run out of patience for some of you. (laughs) We can try having no new Star Trek if you want. We tried that. It wasn't fun. We're getting new Star Trek. Sit down. (laughs) And with that, we will sign off. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Fire. That's what, what Will says at the end of... Oh, yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we'll leave you with a cliffhanger. Yeah. What are we firing at? What's happening? Will it work? Will anything happen? Oh my gosh. I'm Mark Twain. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. 